This is Bad Sports. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Eric Grundy. With me is Mark Bradford. Hi, guys. Buckle up. We got a fucking show for you guys. A lot to dive into. We're going to talk about the Kentucky Derby. We're going to break down the NBA and the NHL playoffs, the UFC, boxing, and much more. But first, Mark, how's your weekend going? Good, man. Haven't done much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just hung out at the house. Same. I went I to a graduation party, but other than that, I didn't do much either. Yeah, I did have a golf outing. Yeah, tell me about that. How'd that go? It was all right. We, 20 people did like uh, teams of four, skins match. And then in the end, one person ended up getting kicked out. And he had the scorecard for his team, so we couldn't get their scores. So we weren't able to. Uh, we just let the organizer keep all the money because uh, it's like his bachelor party. So that's kind of an interesting way to end it. Why did he get kicked out? Because he's an asshole. What did he, but what did he do? I don't know. He wasn't on mine. Apparently, he took his shirt oh. off a bunch. He wasn't on my card, so. He took his shirt off a bunch. No. I thought this was America. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just, I went recording with my band yesterday, did that, had a recording sesh, got her, got my ass whooped in Mario Kart online, and, uh, yeah, just did. Who'd you I play watched. Mario Kart with? My buddy Juan, lead singer of the band. Oh. I, uh, stayed up late watching the UFC fight, it was really exciting, but before we do anything with our sports, we're gonna do our sports quote of the day, and we got a doozy for you, check this out. Receiver coach has been blown away by Crabtree's hands yeah, and his ability to suck in these balls. Really? Ex- <laughs> Why would you say that? There are so many different words you could have used to describe what a receiver does. Cat. I mean, what's catch. wrong with catch? Just say he cat. He can catch really well. Or say footballs to suck in these footballs. <laughs> Even that's not as bad. He's not, like, what do you mean suck? Like, suck in, like... Yeah, you don't suck with your hands. He just, he, you... It was just, I don't know. I thought that was very... These Some of these announcers have very... Tr- he like, put a lot of emphasis on the word suck, too. He was really excited by it, He was it like, too. just suck in these balls. hands. And his ability to suck in these balls. Suck in these balls. He laughed when he said it, too. He, these balls. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. I think he was a little immature, and he was just like, oh, I'm going to say it. Maybe he didn't like Crabtree. Maybe he just wanted to, like, make fun of him. Crabcakes. Suck these balls. <laughs> All right. So we are going to start with the Kentucky Derby. I'm not, like, the big – I'm not a gambling man, really, just other than, like, fantasy football and stuff. But it was a very, very exciting Kentucky Derby. I wouldn't be surprised if they made a fucking movie about this one. It was very – Suspenseful. I did not bet on it, but I had to cover it because what a story it was. The 80 to 1 long shot Rich Strike, who had just entered the field on Thursday, won the Kentucky Derby. In fact, I wouldn't mind. I'm going to play a little bit of it. I So I want to give a lot of credit to the jockey, man. I mean, I've been watching a lot of racing lately, I've learned a lot about it. Watching how he maneuvered through the field. Obviously, the horse had the speed, but 
that jockey controlled them well, and he chose the best lane at the very end. He just stuck to the inside the whole time. Here, let's. I want to. I'll start us like halfway. On the final straight. So he's got some cool names. Horses are pretty cool. They just like let us ride them like that. He was the longest shot? Yes. 80 to 1? Longest shot. I think that's the first time the longest shot. That's the horse won. that I would have bet on. It's usually what I would have done, too. So, on the final straight, it got really intense because, like, five, like, a bunch, like, ten horses all went to the outside. Like, they all had the same idea. The leaders just kind of stayed where they, were, where, they, where they were. A lot of them went to the outside. They thought they could um, make some moves out there. Ridge strike went on the inside, just stayed on the inside, and he ended up conserving his speed. And then on that final straight, he just fucking shot up, took over Epicenter, and won the race. Very, so yeah. if you bet $10 on that horse, you would have won 818 Yo. Damn. That's a lot of scratch. Fuck, man. I might have to bet on the Kentucky Derby sometime. Just start doing Even like $100 on each one. Ooh, on each one? That's a lot. No, I mean, not on each horse. Each time there's a Kentucky Derby. Like, just yeah, sure. bet, bet on the long stretch every time. I mean, that doesn't happen often, but... Well, yeah, it's but... It's the first time it's happened, I think. It'd be $8,000. It'd be worth it. Holy shit. <clears throat> I've never even held I would held probably divvy it up. If I had 100 bucks, I'd probably bet, like, on the long yeah, shot. But... And then maybe on, like, the favorite... Like, I'd probably put ten bucks. But you have to bet a lot of money on the favorite to even get money back. Oh, that's true. Yeah, a lot. That's the thing with gambling. I don't like. Like you bet a hundred and win ten. Yeah. So yeah, that was the Kentucky Derby. Very fascinating. That jockey's gonna be all the talk. Oh yeah, no, they, this, this is gonna be a story, man. Tiny jockey world. Yes, they are very small people. Looks like a child. It does it's kind of weird? Why don't they just have children do it? <clears throat> Probably not the safest. I'm pretty sure it's kind of dangerous too, you know. You got yeah, I guess. First time really covering a UFC fight, I guess you could say like, I, I follow MMA, but not as closely as I do other sports, obviously. But when there is a fight that excites me, I will watch it. And this one was definitely one opportunity I tuned in for. It's the Oliveira versus Gaethje fight. I knew I've, I'm actually a pretty big fan of both of them. I know they're both scrappers. Gaethje's got a hell of a reputation. So does Oliveira. Oliveira's got a great story. If you just just look into it, I'm not gonna go into his whole life story, but very inspiring. He, 
But there was some drama, which let's get into real quick. Oliveira for the weigh-ins was like 0.5 over the weight. And because of that, he lost his belt. The fight was would like still went on, but because he was overweight, only Justin Gaethje would have the chance of winning the belt. Oliveira would just be the contender. If he won, he wouldn't get the belt. He would just be the number one contender. That's kind of how it works. I understand why they have that implemented because it's, you know, you got to make weight. That's the whole point of weighing. And if someone doesn't make weight, that's the penalty for it. But there's a lot of of conspiracies on what happened with the scale, all that. Um, I don't have much to say. Other than the card was pretty exciting. And I'm I'll read through the card real quick. So Randy Brown won by decision over Chaos Williams. Ovince St. Peru won by decision over Mauricio Rua. Michael Chandler won by KO over Tony Ferguson. Carla uh Esparza won by decision over Rose Namahunes and Charles Oliveira submitted Justin Gaethje. In the first round. I'm wondering if Mauricio Hua... I mean, he's got to be related to Shogun Hua. That Is that how the, their name's spelled? Rua? Yeah, Rua? that's how it's pronounced. Okay, maybe. I believe he's a Brazilian. Was Shogun Brazilian? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. So, no, actually, <laughs> Mauricio is Shogun Hua. I just realized that his first name is Mauricio. It's Mauricio Shogun Hua. So they're the same person. My bad. It's what? Mauricio Hua is Shogun Hua. So that is Shogun? Yeah. He's still fighting? I was, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Can you look into that a little bit more? I'm a little confused. I didn't know. I thought they just would call him Shogun. Mauricio Rua, Hua. So I'm only going to talk about three of these fights, the ones that are worth talking about. I'll start off with the Michael Chandler Tony Ferguson fight. Round one was very uh, very gritty. Tony came out pretty strong. They were both exchanging really well. Uh, Tony knocked Chandler down once, and Chandler came back and got a nice takedown on him. It looked like a really good fight. Back and forth. I think the first round might have even went Tony's way because he, nice, he landed some punches. He knocked him down. But in, like, right in the second round... Michael Chandler saw a lane in between Tony Ferguson's hands, hits him with a straight head kick right to the chin. It was bad. Knocked him out. He faced out on the canvas. Absolutely electrifying. The whole place just lit up. Imagine getting kicked in the face like that. Oh, my God. It was painful. I know. It, It looked like it time warped him into an old man. Yeah, you showed me that picture of him. It was fucking unbelievable. And that's that brings me to my next thought. I'm a I'm a big uh, Al Kakui fan. Tony Ferguson. He's from. He has roots in Michigan. I think he went to um, high school at Muskegon Catholic, something like that. I, pretty, I know he wrestled in high school here. He also, I believe, attended GVSU. I rooted for him. I think of him as like a somewhat of a native here, but he's also from California as well. I believe he fights out of there. I'm a big fan. He's got a strong legacy in the UFC. Everybody respects him. I'm a little worried about him now. That was a very big strike to the head he took. 
I would, I would, I kind of want him to retire because I'm worried about yeah, his Yeah, but Ferguson's known for being able to take a beating, kind of yes. like Nate Diaz. Where no, they're all known for that until they can't But getting fucking, kicked in the fucking face like that, it's got to have a long-term I'm effect. talking internal mental That's what health I'm damage. Yeah, like Michael Bisbing is the, the one I can think of where he had a long career. He like completed his fucking story arc. He achieved what he wanted to achieve. He like reached greatness. But he's also got, like, damage in his eye. Like, he's got severe, he's like... blind in his eye. I know. He's got a lot of... He sacrificed his fucking but body But mentally, he's he's still pretty there. Yeah. I listened to his podcast, Believe You Me, with Michael Bisping. And uh, it's, he's a great commentator. I'm sure. No, he's a legend of the sport now. And uh, Jake Paul also challenged him to a fight Oh, as well. fuck Jake Paul. Jesus Christ. Also, show respect to the guy. Don't challenge a legend. Like... I just think it's a little disrespectful to, like, go up... Even, like, someone like... I know Logan Paul. Was it Mike Tyson? Did he fight Mike Tyson? Tyson said he would. No, no, no. Oh, he fought he, Floyd Mayweather. I think it'd just be disrespectful. That was Logan Paul. Logan Paul. Yeah, that's Logan. what I meant. I oh, said I, that. okay. Um, I just think it's kind of rude to just challenge the greatest ever, like... Uh, I, not that Michael Bisping's a good... But he's a legend of the sport, man. Don't just call him out. He's a world champion. You have to... Yeah, you have to, like... You can't just call out world champions. You got to do something. At least fight a real fucking fighter before you call someone like Bisping out. But anyways, I'm getting carried away. I think Tony Ferguson, he should really evaluate his health. If he thinks he's good, I'm not... Obviously, he's a dog. I know that dude's probably going to fight until doctors tell him, Tony, you should really fucking stop. I just... I'm worried about him, man. That was a brutal fucking knockout. Chandler's back. He called out McGregor. He wants the fucking, he wants the belt. Oliveira lost the belt, so he's like, he's just the number one contender at the moment. McGregor's name shouldn't be in the same sentences, getting to be able to fight for the title. He hasn't done anything to earn it in the past five years. Oh, what was his last fight, do you know? Where he broke his ankle. Oh, that was his last one? Yeah, in okay. a fight that he was losing. Yeah, he's kind of, he's got a... He has to climb back into that contention now. I think it's going to be Chandler and Oliveira. He doesn't fight enough to climb back into that contention. You can't just have win one fight and then say, hey, like, I don't know what he's ranked right now, McGregor, if he is, but. He's probably ranked somewhere. I mean, although he dropped a little bit, I understand that. I think it's Oliveira and Chandler. That's what I don't get about the UFC. Like, the champion should always be fighting the number one. Yeah. Not the number five. That's not how it works sometimes. Sometimes the number five has a shot to fight yeah. the person with the title. And I'm mm-hmm. saying it's not because number four, three, two, and number one were too busy, obviously. They just, I don't know. that I don't get how the UFC picks their fights sometimes. I get that. They do get criticized sometimes on how it all works. Even the fighters complain about it. They pick the it. fight that's going to make the most money. It's confusing because then there's like vacant titles and there's um interim champions and like, um, yeah, it gets a little confusing. So, no, yeah, on to the Oliveira Geishi fight. I stood up pretty late to watch this. I knew it would be worth it. These guys came out, uh, guns blazing. My God, they like they did not wait a second. They were immediately exchanging. Um, oh, but actually, before I get into it, I do want to acknowledge. I respect both these fighters, but I loved how Oliveira, um, he does not speak English. He speaks Brazilian. People give him shit for not learning English. 
he yeah, well, always you know. starts his fights. Whenever he goes in the ring and he does his circle around, he always goes up to his opponent, shakes his hand, gives him a hug, and he looks at all of his coaches and he, ta- he shakes their hand, gives him like a fist bump. Not everyone does that. Oliveira does that every fight. He did that for Geishi's team. I thought that was cool. I just, I, I'm a big fan of modesty. I thought that was really humble of him. And then they just fucking went at it like dogs. Both of them were exchanging. They, uh, I want to say they knocked both each other down a little bit. Geishi knocked Oliveira down, but it was in a weird fashion where he, Geishi, uh, Oliveira would just kind of fall to his guard. He didn't like fall loosely on the ground whenever he like there was a time where he was just standing and after he got clocked he was standing for a second and then he just fell to his guard like he kind of felt his balance going and he just fell to his guard geishi didn't want any of that shit there was actually a moment where geishi was close enough to where like he kind of fell on top of him into his guard and he had him for a second but even geishi just like got back up did not want to touch him on the ground well you see what happened when he did get him on the ground mm, he yeah. choked him out so that leads me to my point. Oliveira uh, exposed him, saw that. I think Geishi's strategy was very uh, obvious after a couple minutes in. He was swinging for the fences. I think he knew that he needed to end it quick. I don't think he was confident going in for the long run. Definitely not on the, on the ground either. There was a, there was a punch where... Geishi, I've never seen this before either, especially with someone like Justin Geishi. Usually he's really collective and composed. This guy swung a haymaker, missed, and just fell. Just fell on the floor. Just whoop, just missed, boom, fell on the floor, got right back up. Right at when I saw that, I was like, whoa, he's trying way too hard to land haymakers. Oliveira knew that right away. Saw that he was just going for big ones. Oliveira just tagged him up, tagged him up, and then he connected him with one great punch, knocked him down. And instead of jumping on him and just raining punches on him, mm-mm, he just went straight for his neck, went around him, put him in a chokehold, got him. Rear naked. That was it. He had to do some adjustments, too, that definitely showed his jujitsu experience. It's wrestling. Ground, pa- ground passes. That that too, but like he also had to. There was a few times where he adjusted his choke really quickly, and that was like. That's why Geishi didn't want to go with him on the ground, and he ended up getting him, and he submitted him, and then he went up to Dana White, and Dana just said, "You're the number one contender now," <laughs> which sucks because like I the guy should have his belt. It sucks that he's only point five over. It's I unfortunate. It was two pounds. Oh, was it two? I thought it was point five. I could be wrong. We'll just go with he was overweight. Not one scale, yeah. He was overweight. Might have been two pounds. Even then, that's really not that much of a difference. <laughs> but so I'm gonna talk about the final fight on the card. I'm saving it for last because it's uh, uh, it's kind of uh, it's a disappointment. It was Rose Namahunez versus. Um, Carla Esparza, and Carla Esparza won by decision, and I think she just won because of she had some takedowns. That was about it. If you watch this fight, uh, there wasn't much happening, and I was disappointed because Rose is actually the defending champion. This was a title fight, and the, I mean, my God, let me... You know, if they... Let me pull this what up. What I Keep noticed talking. is... 
if I, I attribute this fight to, you know, the boring championship fight, like the same way I look at an Adesanya fight. People, where people have mentioned him. It's just boring as shit, and he just only does what he has. Yeah. What he has to to retain his title. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what the UFC is kind of known for with their championship fights now. Let me look at the stats. So look, check out these stats. Out of uh, 137 total strikes, Rose only landed 38. And out of 133 strikes, Aspires only landed 30. Now let's look at out of Justin Gaethje's 33 strikes thrown, he landed 21. Out of uh, Oliveira's 52, he landed 33. Much much more accurate. These girls, in respect to both of them, I like Rose Namahunas. She has one of my favorite post-fight speeches ever of winning the belt for the first time. I think she's really inspiring. She did not assert herself as a fucking champion, man. She, my God, she only landed 38 of 137 strikes. She didn't do shit. I watched her. I couldn't believe how just she just moved and like they weren't landing any punches. They were literally just swinging at nothing. And it was really boring. I mean, it's normally the chick fights are like the most run and gun because some of them they just swing and swing and just beat each other's faces. And you're just like, how are they? How can they still continue to hit each other? I can't. Then you're like, oh yeah, because it's girl punches. Well, like they weren't even landing. I I can't remember the girl's name, but there's a fighter from China who's lights out. She's fucking. She's very exciting to watch. I think something happened with the. The pandemic. I don't know if she was. I, I, don't quote me on that. But I know there's a there's a female fighter from China. She's not currently fighting, but she used to be really exciting. She used. To, I think she was a, a contender. Anyways, is it Zhang something? I think so. She's really good. That's the one. Uh, she fought Nami Yunus back in November. Did she lose? I don't know. I want to say so. We'll look into that. So while this is going on. I, while I was watching the highlights, I did notice that Dana White was not watching this fight. He was actually watching the Canelo fight. And that brings me to our next subject, which is the Canelo boxing match. Mark, take it away. Okay. Sorry, I was on Google. Uh, Dimitri Bivol scores a stunning unanimous decision victory over Canelo Alvarez in Viva Las Vegas. Uh, Dimitri Bailov is one of the biggest boxing upsets in recent memory. Scored a unanimous decision over the sport's top star, Canelo Alvarez, on Saturday at T-Mobile Arena. All three judges scored the fight 115-113, but the bout wasn't nearly that close. Uh, Actually, Alvarez thought that, in his mind, Dimitri only won four or five rounds. Okay. Um, Still, Bivol needed to win the final rounds on all three cards to avoid a draw. Equally puzzling, all three judges scored the first four rounds for Alvarez. Judges' views aside, Bivol, 20-0 and 11 KOs, was in control from the opening bell as he used his size, including a forward chain advantage at 6 feet tall to the 5'8 Alvarez. Uh, used the range on his jab to retain his heavyweight title in his ninth defense. I proved myself today. I'm the best in my division, said Bivol, who resides in St. Petersburg, Russia, but didn't have his national anthem played at a time when many of his countrymen are being barred from competing in major sporting events due to the war in Ukraine. Eddie Hearn, sorry I broke your plans with Gennady Golovkin, meaning the next fight had Alvarez won. He was going to fight the trilogy 
against Triple G, which they are one and one in. Ooh. With a draw and a loss. It's a long way to trilogy fight between Alvarez and Golovkin. The biggest, bo- the biggest event boxing can deliver was already signed for September 17th. Instead, Alvarez said he plans to exercise his contractual right to an immediate rematch. It doesn't end like this, said Alvarez, who entered the ring rated number one pound for pound by ESPN. No excuses. I lost today. He's a great boxer. I felt his power. He comes in and he goes out. He manages his distance really well. As Bivol said, rematch, no problem. 31-year-old Bivol used beautiful footwork to circle away from Alvarez's power shots and stay out of harm's way during the early rounds. Yet Bivol also stood his ground and fired three and four punch combinations that met their mark. <coughs> Excuse me. Alvarez, who was 57-2-2 two two with 39 KOs, tore through the opposition at 168 pounds over the past 16 months and collected all four world titles to capture undisputed super middleweight championship, but in, a, in an attempt to regain the 175 title proved to be too much. The defeat is Alvarez's first since 2013 when he was just 23 years old, outclassed by Grand Rapids, Michigan native Floyd Mayweather. And like the all-time great, Bivol employed expert counterpunching set up by the jab to pile up rounds. So I noticed he was the first boxer since Mayweather to actually focus on just when fighting Alvarez to just focus on strictly counterpunching and moving around his opponent. Yeah. Still very entertaining. Seems a lot more technically sound than Canelo, at least right now. I can respect that, too. I understand that sometimes the most defensive fights, or in any sport, too, a defensive strategy isn't always the most exciting, and I get that. I can appreciate that. But some fights, it's uh, it's one thing to be defensive. It's also one thing to uh, not just not be just There's also poor fighting, too. Like I feel like this particular UFC fight that I was just talking about between Esparza and Rose, Thug Rose, Namahunas, just didn't look like um, neither of them looked real uh, proficient in their in their craft. They didn't look like it's one thing to be defensive. It's another thing to uh, just not be good at all. It just wasn't a very exciting fight. They just didn't look. None of them looked like they were deserving of a belt. That's what a lot of people are disappointed of. Um, Zhang Weili, I believe, is the one I was talking Weili about. Weili Zhang. Weili Zhang. She was very. I thought she was really excited. I don't know what happened to her. She, she's ranked. She must have lost to Rose. I can't find her fucking event results. Oh, no, she lost to Rose in uh, November. Yeah, split decision. Hmm. She lost to her twice. Damn. That was also... Uh, she lost to Rose twice in 2021. Canelo was fighting on that night, too. Because Dana White was also watching yeah, that that's fight true. on there. When every time Rose fights and Canelo's on, man, Dana doesn't really care. Boxing's just more entertaining. It can. I don't know if it's... Eh, it depends on who's boxing. It's the purest form of hand-to-hand combat. It is. I can agree with that. That is all we have for boxing. Let's dive into the NBA playoffs. Round two. Mark, what do you got for us? 
You want me to start off with uh, the last Warriors-Grizzlies game? Sure, go for it. Another player was injured. Uh, another player fielded questions about his intent, and another player was ejected. The Warriors cemented a 142-112 win over the Memphis Grizzlies in Game 3 of their conference semifinal. Mm. In much different fashion than their nail-biting Game 1 win and their frustrating Game 2 loss, but the two teams continued their chippiness on the court and accusations over each other's intentions. Grizzlies guard John Morant sat out for the final in 6 minutes 19 seconds after injuring his right knee on a play that Memphis coach Taylor Jenkins took issue with. He was going after a dribble, and Jordan Poole actually grabs his knee and yanked it. It didn't really totally look like a yank to me. Have you seen it? I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, Jenkins said, that kind of triggered whatever happened, so I'm actually going to be very curious to see what happens after that. What happened after that? Morant tweeted the play in question and captioned it with, broke the code. I mean, broke the code. Just code of respect. The code of probably not deliberately trying to injure somebody. Yeah, okay. That marked a not-so-subtle jab at Warriors coach Steve Kerr, who accused Grizzlies forward Dylan Brooks of making a dirty play yeah. while committing a fragrant two-foul on Gary Payton mm-hmm. in Game 2. That was very dirty. Yeah, resulting in a fractured left elbow that sidelined him for the next two weeks and likely beyond. So I, I did not see this Morant one. We're going to watch it right now, but I do want to say something about that uh, that Dylan Brooks Gary Payton was struck in the head going up for a layup. There was no reason to hit him in the head. The play, like, he was past him. It was done. The points were up. There was nothing he could have done. to st- Like, you're, there's no reason to strike him in the head, man. He's done. Don't touch him. But he did, and then... Well, this, gotta, I mean, I'm talking gonna, about Dylan Brooks. I know, but what I'm going to say is if you're going to follow him, make sure you follow him good so he doesn't score. Sure, that yeah. But let's check out this. Uh, this this is a scary knee injury we got right here. Draymond Green had a bunch of turnovers early. As Morant is fouled, but he has done a little bit of everything since then. And you don't want to give a great play a steady diet of how you're defending him. So every now and then, surprise blitz him, jump him, and disrupt. See, it didn't look that bad. You can barely even notice it. Anderson makes his move, barrels in the pool, offensive foul. Anderson doesn't agree, but... Was that it? Yeah. Do you that, think it gets... Oh, okay. Let's watch it one more time, because he is grabbing his knee now. I don't I don't think any of that was intentional. No, I don't either. They looked like they were just going for the ball. I didn't see them, like, aggressively, like, kick or grab his knee or anything. It just... That kind of looks like aggressive basketball right there. I agree. That's a shame. I thought the same thing. Too, that's unfortunate. Um, so who won that game? Oh, the Warriors. The Warriors oh, put up. Yeah, they put up 145 yeah. fucking points, didn't they? They God, did. 142. God damn, second most in a playoff game in Warriors franchise history. Trailing only the 143 they points they scored against the St. Louis Hawks on April 1st, 1967. Oh damn, St. Louis Hawks. St. Louis doesn't have an NBA team, don't they? Not anymore, no. Man, poor St. Louis. They don't have a football team anymore. They just got the Cardinals. That's unfortunate. Anyways, wow, 142 points. Uh, Yeah, I'll let you get back to it. Uh, Five takeaways from the rugged game three. Warriors got defensive about Morant's injury. 
Like I said, Jenkins stressed uncertainty about Poole's intentions, mm-hmm. but the Warriors viewed the Grizzlies' motives through a skeptical lens. So much that the Warriors guard Clay Thompson dismissed the comments as playoff talk. I didn't think there was any malicious intent from Jordan, said Thompson. I don't even think he's strong enough to affect somebody's knee. But we're not going out there trying to hurt people or trying to club people in the back of the head on a fast break. We play the game the right way. Shots fired, right? You know, I'm going to side with the Warriors. I agree. I don't think the only one that is a little, the only player on that team that is known for being real aggressive and the enforcer is none other than Draymond Green. And uh, other than that, I don't like, I don't, you don't see like Steph Curry, Clay, or even like Jordan Poole doesn't seem like the kind of person to be, you know, ruthless in that sense. I do think that Clay Thompson is just going to beat you by points. He's not going to, fucking try and hurt your best player's knee. I believe him. I don't think... The Warriors have already won championships. They don't need to fucking tear your knee off or to cheat and cut corners. But it didn't even look like he tried to tear his knee off. It no, looked it pretty innocent. No, it, was, it, it looked innocent, in my opinion. Second takeaway, the Grizzlies didn't have much help from, from Morant have nope. on offense or defense. For now, the images of Morant limping around on the arena did not concern Memphis. We've seen Ja. He's like a Wolverine out there, said Grizzlies guard DeAnthony Melton. He could be limping one day. The next day, he's fine. He's a warrior. He's a competitor. He's just a hooper. I think the, uh, I think the Grizzlies are, very, are in a very similar situation as the Mavericks. They're very good, but they have one key X factor. You take that X factor away, they're a very different team. Unlike the Warriors, you take their X Factor away. There's a few other X Factors. Grizzly center Steven Adams was cleared from the NBA's health and safety protocols, which kept him out of games one and two. Okay. But he didn't play until the 537 mark on the fourth quarter. Maybe Adams could have helped slow down the Warriors because they scored 62 points in the paint. Oh, God. Which is a lot of fucking paint points. Yeah. But uh, head coach Jenkins went with Xavier Tillman. Tillman amid concerns about the Warriors' outside scoring punch, which Curry scored 30, Poole 27, and Thompson 21. But they arguably would have shot better than their 9 for 19 had Adams been in the game from deep. They shot 9 for 19 from deep between the three of them. Uh, But it could have been worse because Adams has really lackluster perimeter defense Mm because he's a big guy. Mm -hmm. And it... Warriors can, could have exploited that pretty easily. Third takeaway was Clay Thompson looked like Clay Thompson again. Shots were dropping yeah, into the basket. Threw up a layup while falling to the floor. You know, some star, oh, yeah, some star plays. Mm-hmm. Heaved up a running jumper from the top of the key. Safe to say that Thompson's brief shooting slump is probably over. He finished 21 points, going 8 for 13 from field. 4 for 6 from 3-point, which is great. Yeah. 4 uh, for 6, that is incredible. And he shot super poorly in game one, six for 19, and game two was five for 19. Um, go ahead. I think this game proved that the Warriors are an all-around team, which we all knew they were. But the Grizzlies got to step it up, man. They need other people to like, step up to the plate. Morant, these things can happen. That was a fluke. I don't. I think they're just frustrated. They want to think it was in like there's uh, cruel intentions behind it. But guess what? It's just basketball. It's the playoffs. Things get heated. The Warriors dealt with injuries too. They things get things happen. 
your best player when he's playing that much, putting in those minutes. He's got the he's got the ball like ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, he's probably gonna get injured at some point. It's gonna happen. You gotta spread it out more. That's what the Warriors did. They, I think, the Warriors realized after Clay Thompson and everyone was injured, they're like, "Fuck, we need people like Gary Payton and Jordan Poole to take the load off," and they're doing it. Uh, rookie Jonathan Kuminga got his first postseason start. Posting a playoff career high, 18 points in 18 minutes. Is that for the Warriors? Yes, for the Warriors. Uh, 18 points in 18 minutes, going 8 for 10 from shooting. There you go, man. Developing players. Yeah, and you already put the Warriors' offensive dominance in context by, you know, the 142 points. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. What's going on? Since you just read that, I'll read the... Uh, what's going on with the Bucks? Did you cover the Bucks at all? No, I didn't. I'll pull them up. Oh, you know what? I know the Bucks just won last night. I, I will say that. They won a close game. There was a uh, missed foul, I guess. There's some drama at the end of the game, which I hate that. I hate this. Uh, I like games to just end clean where, you know, like a team was just lost on merit. I hate seeing that there was uh, some missed calls. But let's check it out. The Suns and the Mavericks are playing today. Game four. Phoenix leads two to one. Let's see. Yesterday. I know that. The Bucks won 103 to 101. Very close. Obviously, Warriors beat the Grizzlies 142 to 112. I'm actually surprised the Grizzlies put up 112. Moran had 34 points. Curry had 30. Uh, Giannis in the box. Giannis put up 42 points. The Celtics. Hmm. Yeah. They had a they, they claimed there's a missed call. That's why they didn't, I guess, win the game. There's missed calls every game, though. Yeah. If you leave the, if you leave the game down to one missed call. <clears throat> well, you know what they say to Lions fans. It shouldn't be that close. Yeah, shut the fuck up. That's what they... I've been a Lions fan my whole fucking life. That's what they always say. Yeah, well, you know what? There's going to be missed calls, and the game shouldn't be decided on one call. Anyways, you guys just suck. So that's my Lions advice to you, Celtics fans. Be better. (laughs) That's what they tell us. Hey, I bitch about calls. The Lions have a whole, like, 10-minute compilation video of missed fucking calls. They tell us the same fucking thing every time. The game will, you know, get better so the game doesn't come down to one call. Unfortunately, the Bucks got lucky. They got away with uh, game three. <clears throat> I expect the series to go to fucking game seven. Honestly, Celtics, I, th- I imagine the Celtics are going to come out hot. Well, you should. Four. It's the playoffs, man. All right. I noticed that the Heat only put up 79 points mm-hmm. and they lost to the 76ers. Yeah. And they only had two players with double-digit points. Really? Whereas the 76ers had, I believe, had believe five or six. Oh, you're talking about uh, game up, three? Yeah, look up the box score for game three. So if the 76ers won 99-79, to 79, Joel Embiid comes back looking like goddamn Hannibal Lecter, which I love. He's got the black mask on. I'm glad to see that he's back on the court. Jimmy sure. Butler had 33 points. He looks like Jimmy Butler killing it. 
Uh, Max, he had 21. Yeah, let's check that out. So the... So, let's see, you're talking about the heat? Yes. Oh my god, yeah. So, and the, Butler had 33, and uh, Harrow, Tyler Harrow had a, is that his name, Tyler? Tyler Harrow. Tyler Harrow had 14. The rest were like 9-9. Nine, nine, and four. Kyle Lowry, for being one of the best in the league, didn't put up a single point. He didn't point. put up any points. Uh, they should be embarrassed. Highsmith, zero points. Martin, zero points. Yurt Steven, zero points. Vincent, zero points. These guys played a little bit. They only played like two minutes. But, yeah, so yeah, Lowry, really had, tw Lowry had 25, 25 minutes, minutes, zero, zero points. points. What is the, let me look at, so does he have any rebounds? He had four rebounds, three assists, one steal. Uh, so no effect on the game at all, plus nothing, minus of minus 10. Nothing. Um, and then you had uh, Oladipo. He's someone that I was like a really big fan of. I was a big fan of Oladipo in college. I rooted for him at the Pacers because that was also where he went to school in Indiana. He played 21 minutes. He only mustered up six points, man. Like, you're supposed to be a potential star. I know some people are like, oh, what? Like, uh, a what? I think Oladipo has the potential to be, like, a big playmaker. Maybe not a star, but he could be a big contributor. Just like, uh, I mean, God, if Duncan Robinson's a big contributor, I, I, I would think Oladipo could be better, but he's not doing it. He was two for five on the field. Um, yeah, the Heat looking a little exposed. And here's what I don't get. The Heat paid Duncan Robinson $90 million in his contract Holy just shit. to sit him on the fucking bench. Well, Last game he played and he scored 28 points. I, I want to say this, DMP, this might be like for injury purposes. No, it's because he's poor on the defensive end of the ball. But well, they're not playing him because he's not injured? I thought he was he's injured. He's not injured. It's a coach's decision. Really? Coach's decision does not mean injuries. Oh, okay. Really? It means the coach doesn't want to suit you up. Why? He's kind of a defensive liability. Dude, suit him up. Who the fuck else is going to put up points? I, I mean, Lowry. Obviously, Kyle Lowry should, and Udonis Haslam should. So now let's now let's go over to the 76ers. You got, uh, what's his name? Danny Green. Danny Green, uh, he had 21 points. And Joel Embiid at 18. Max, he had 21. Harden, 17. Very good spread of the ball right there, man. Mm -hmm. You And, like, uh, Harris had nine, but, like, that's what you want from your starters. You want double-digit points. They're doing stuff. You got Max here seven for eleven on the on the field. Twenty-two assists to fourteen. Twenty-two team assists on the Seventy Sixers. Holy shit! Only Embiid was eight for ten free throws. Green was seven for nine on the field. These guys weren't missing either. They're doing pretty good. I'm hoping the Seventy Sixers can make a comeback, and uh, this is going to come down to coaching. If Miami doesn't. I don't know. I don't understand why you're not playing Duncan Robinson. Even if you think he is a liability, let the guy prove himself. What do you got to lose? Except for the fucking division championship. So the Mavericks, I do want to say in game three, the Mavericks did steal one from the Suns, 103 to 94. They're looking a little bit better. Um, I still don't think it's going to be enough. They're playing today at 3.30. We are recording this on Sunday, by the way, at 2.48. Uh, the Heat and the 76ers are also playing tonight at 8. And that is all we have for the NBA playoffs. Up next, we're going to talk about the NHL.
Let's get into round one of the NHL playoffs. I have the privilege of, I had broke down most, just about every game I could. We left off on Wednesday and uh, most game two of most of the series. I just want to say, the NHL playoffs are such an entertaining product. These games are so scrappy, man. These guys, I'd say just about every game is just fucking gritty. Really, like, I just you're just seeing these guys put it all on the line. It's great. Let's start off with uh, your series of selection. You got the Capitals for the Panthers. That was what you picked as your most exciting series to watch. So, uh, game two, the Panthers come back. They win 5-1. to one. When I say come back, they came back in the series. They were down one in the series. They took game two, 5-1. to one. Uh, they, had a, they started off with a lucky bounce that came off an opponent's skate, bounced right off Vanacek's shoulder, right over Vanacek's shoulder. Um, the Florida's second goal came off a beautiful pass in front of the net. Very scrappy game. Lots of players falling on the ice. Backstrom, Backstrom scored a power play goal for the Capitals on a crazy angle. Like, he was standing, like, line, basically lined up with the net on the left side. It was pretty crazy. Um, I think I think it confused the goalie, Bob, Ro- Bob Vrosky, because... Bob Vrosky? Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky, yeah. Bob Vrosky. Bob... <laughs> Bobrovsky. I think he expected him to pass it, because that angle was just so tight. It would be on Bobrovsky's left side. But Baxter just fucking shot it in. He and he scored. The Panthers scored their third goal after a fucking stellar passing. Like one, two, three, boom. They were just setting it up. Very good game. Uh, Florida took away with the fourth goal. Came from an interception. Capitals attempted a breakout. Uh, had a last second pass in front of the goal. They scored again. They finished five to one. Game three. The Capitals respond. With a 6-1 victory over the Panthers, going up 2-1 in the series. And an interesting stat from ESPN, according to them, in games in best-of-seven series, the winner of Game 3 has a 68% chance to win. So it's looking good for your Capitals. If by winning Game 3, it's... It's always looking good for your Capitals. Game 3 is always a must in any series. You never want to go down 3-0 either. So Huberto struck first for the Panthers from a far wrist shot, glove side. Samsonov should have saved that one, but like you expect, especially from a wrist shot that far away, it's very rare you beat a, gl- a goalie glove side. But he did. Sergei Bobrovsky stunned Backstrom, making a phenomenal save. Ovechkin collected the puck off the boards, shot it up front, and Oshie deflected it in to tie it up. Capitals go up 2-1 after Johansson scores off a Mantha rebound. Mantha was doing pretty good for the Capitals. He's getting in there. Oh, fuck him. <laughs> Capitals scored their third goal after well-timed passing, keeping the puck in the offensive zone, applying constant pressure. Ovechkin scores the fourth in classic style. Again, dude, how long has this motherfucker been in the league? You know how he's going to score. He's going to sit at the top of the left circle... And no one covers him. Again, this fourth goal, you're game three in the series. You're just going to let Ovechkin sit the top of the left circle? I mean, My I guess God. I would have to see it to see what you're doing because they by no means just let him do it. 
There's, there's know, game he was, situations. Dude, was he it a was power on play? An island. I don't think so. No. No. And not all of his goals are scored the same. He's no, I know, but he like, scored some of the most outrageous in, goals. In dude, that's his. NHL that's his world. natural habitat. Top of the left circle. He loves sitting up there. They left him wide open. No one was covering him. And yeah, he scored. Capitals score an empty netter, and they just buried Bobrovsky in a painful sixth goal. They are, I think they're playing today, maybe? Let me check. It's Sunday. They're probably all playing. Not all of them. They, they switched I only up. say fuck Manta because <laughs> I love every single fucking Detroit no. Red Wings fan, they think our first-round pick is going to be the next Steve Eiserman or Sergey yeah. Fedorov, and they're so fucking clueless and pipe-dreamed. They'll be playing Monday. Watch your profanity. Yeah, and that's how... Like, that's what we were so blessed by getting some of the greatest hockey players of all time. Yeah. We had a dynasty, and now every fucking boneheaded wing nut is like, oh, this guy's going to be the next Steve Eisman. No, he's not. You know, it doesn't always work out that way. Mantha just wasn't Dylan Larkin really is well. fast. That's He's fast, and he seems to be a good team leader, but other than that... He's okay. That's all he brings to the table. He's, he's okay. He's a goal scorer, though. He's a goal scorer. Austin Matthews is a goal scorer. Dude, Austin Matthews oh, is a, a goal elite. scorer. So, I, okay, hang on. Let me, let's, we should at least, like, bring it back a little bit. Austin Matthews, I feel like you shouldn't, I think it's kind of disrespectful to be like, no, he's a goal scorer. No, he's a fucking elite goal scorer. He's, like, one of 22 players of all time to reach that fucking 60 goal mark, okay? You, okay. If, if you put up like he 20... like the only guy to do that, okay? That's how that came off. <laughs> I know, and I'm giving him credit for that. I just think like if you put up like 30 goals, like that's still good. You're a goal scorer in my mind. I was more saying about how every Red Wings fan thinks that their draft picks are going to be something. Well, we just have high hopes. I think more yeah, cider. Stop it. Oh yeah. Okay. Fine. Lower your expectations. Move. More cider is good. For is a good offensive defenseman. They don't compare him to Nicholas Lidstrom. Well, no, like people are. He's young. Let's tone it back. And he's probably not even going to be good, with our team a, for. Stop! For don't. Okay, future. hang on now. Hey, hey. But y'all don't say that. Don't don't say that shit, dude. He's he's only been with us one year. Don't be like he'll be gone soon. Fuck off. Anyways, moving on to the Toronto. You're saying Toronto it happens all the time. I know, but Stevie's smart. This, this is a new regime, dude. Ship ships off shit. These oh, damn ads. Ships off Anthony CU, starts being successful. Yeah, he's at the Kings. He's doing all right. Yeah. So back to so moving on to Toronto and Tampa Bay. This is a very interesting series. I I picked the Lightning to go far. In game two, the Tampa Bay struck back. They won five to three. They they tied the series one one. This was uh, this is what I was expecting. See, this is the Lightning I wanted to see. They were still giving up scoring opportunities, though. I think the breakouts are going to kill the Lightning, man. They still couldn't. Again, Camp had a breakaway. Didn't score, but, like, Jesus Christ, how many breakaways are you going to give up? Vasilevsky was standing on his head. He's the reason why they won, in my opinion. The Lightning's offense was able to take advantage of Toronto's mistakes. They overwhelmed them. Kucherov and Hedman were finally getting their fucking names on the board. They led them to victory despite despite the Leafs still scoring late goals, which is um, it's telling. It's it's foreshadowing of what's gonna happen in Game Three, which uh, they lost because they just they're struggling, man. Their defense is doing really poor. Vasilevsky is doing the best he can. 
Uh, Morgan Riley struck first for the Maple Leafs, which came off a rebound. Toronto scored their second goal on a, on a three-on-two again, uh, right after killing a penalty. They were on a fucking penalty kill, and they fucking scored right after. Again, their breakouts are the key ingredient to this series. David Camp scored uh, their third goal off an interception. He beat Vaslavsky's stick side. Jack Campbell smacks the puck away from the net right into Tampa's defenseman who shot a wrister from the top of the left circle. Toronto's last two goals were empty netters. They shut him out in the game three. I mean, shut him out as in like they closed it out and took it the game three from them. Moving on to Carolina and Boston. This one's been a bruiser. I like I enjoy watching these highlights. Um, they've been going at it. Boston's not making it easy for them, especially uh, when they play in Boston in Game Three. But in Game Two, Canes the Canes scored first on a beautiful one timer. Jasper Fass, uh, he had the goal. Jordan Stahl passed it to him, just a magnificent pass on the stick. Olmark almost made the save, but it went under his arm. Carolina scores again from a wrister at the blue line. Allmark didn't have a chance through the traffic in front. The Canes' third goal comes off of another one-timer. Boston answers back with a power play goal, a gritty goal in front of the net by Bergeron, which, of course, you got the the captain of the Bruins leading them up to a goal. You like seeing that. Lindholm from the Bruins got fucking rocked. I don't know who hit him, but he got rocked. I remember watching that, and his stick broke. Carolina scores their fourth goal on a power play. The puck slowly crossed the line. Just a kind of a lucky roll. My takeaway from this game is that the Canes overwhelmed the Bruins with offensive pressure and coupled with physical play. They just were really composed in the offensive zone. They just had very smooth passing, really patient, weren't rushing shots. Uh, the Bruins could not stop them putting up shot after shot. Uh, their goalie, The Bruins goaltender didn't have a terrible game, though. They just... Um, it was just going the Canes way. Game three, Bruins took it 4-2 to two in Boston. Even though Carolina struck first off a rebound, the Bruins tied it up with a very quick two-on-one score. A marvelous pass from DeBrusque to Coyle. Very quick. I love those goals when they're fucking flying down the ice and they pass it and he just gets it by them. Uh, the Bruins just played really gritty hockey. That's why they won this game. They... We're just putting the puck on the net. They finally they got the opportunities they needed. Swayman also had a terrific game for the Bruins. His performance, in my opinion, is the reason why they won. He made some phenomenal saves that kept their momentum alive. And that that's the series there. Uh, it is, let's see, game three. It's 2-1 Carolina. <laughs> now, on to the Rangers-Pittsburgh. I'll try and speed this up now. No, I'm sorry. I'm do you remember the story I told <coughs> about holding in that cough in the movie theater? Oh, my God. Don't just let it out, man. <laughs> oh, it's my God. Fun. I'm so sorry. So, after game one... and uh, wiped my tears. After that triple overtime win oh, the God. Penguins had, I forgot to mention that uh, their goaltender, DeSmith, went out of the game with a lower body injury, and he's actually out for the playoffs surgery. through the surgery. Yeah. So, they have <sighs> Louis Domingue is their... Uh, is a goalie for now for the rest of the playoffs. Got to put your trust in a guy named Louie. 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 What was that? <laughs> That's from a, a Louis C.K. show commercial. So, game two, Rangers take it 5-2. to two. 
that was also their last home game at that you know that was that was in New York so they did get it's always important to at least get one of those two wins at home you don't otherwise wanna, you're just wasting your home ice yeah you don't want to go over two at home that was huge for the Rangers uh very just a really back and forth game this series I th- I think this one might be one of my the most entertaining they're just really high scoring let's see so um the, oh there's a very bizarre play Rangers scored with the a forward going behind the net and right before he goes behind he passes it out front and it bounces right off a defenseman's skate into the net that actually happened right in game three the penguins won seven to four. They, their first goal was just like that. The Penguins did the same thing. They went around the net, passed it off the skate, goes in. Um, <clears throat> Penguins scored their second goal after it fell out of Shesterkin's Sh- glove into the five hole, which I thought was really unfortunate. He made a fucking good save. Get such a big piece of it. And then-, and then just slipped out of his glove right into the five hole. I think the Penguins were on it. The Rangers just got really unlucky in this one, man. They were in there. The uh, they are actually down four to one in the game. Then the Rangers came back, tied up four four. Cop for the Rangers. This motherfucker's coming out clutch. He's got third goal, three goals in the series so far. He's the one that tied it up. That guy is really showing out. He's he's staying he's standing out to me. The Penguins defender dove into the net, knocking it loose, but they called it a goal anyways. Very dramatic. Rangers actually pulled Shesterkin for Georgie Gorgiev. 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 After just another um, Russian goalie. After the fourth goal, the Pens took the lead after two Rangers defensemen failed to grab the puck. Just poor. Def- I've noticed a lot of the teams that are losing, they had, uh, a lot of really poor defense, man. That was, I thought that was uh, not Gorgiev's fault. I thought that. Uh, the Rangers defense. Two of them could not grab the puck, bouncing off the the barriers, and the Penguins just fucking scored. Uh, both goalies were getting sniped glove side. The Penguins ended up just closing them out. They couldn't handle it, and they are up two to one in the series. Moving on to Colorado at Nashville, the Avalanche defeat the Predators seven to two. Game one, they. Beat them two to one in overtime, game two, and killed them seven to three in game three. The Predators are—they're trying to hang in there, but they just don't have the star talent or the experience or the chemistry. Yeah, they're getting buried by the Avalanche. Colorado I, might be too much for any team. They're gonna sweep them, and honestly, Colorado's looking really fucking good. They're looking very strong right now, even if it is the Predators. On to uh. The Blues and the Wild. The Blues defeated them, defeated the Wild 4-0 in Game 1. The Wild won back-to-back games, Game 2 and 3. Game 2, they won 6-2, and Game 3, 5-1. They turned it up. They are up 2-1 in the series. On to Calgary and Dallas. I said Dallas. Dallas. <laughs> the Flames defeated Dallas 1-0. Game one. Stars won 2-0. Game two. And 4-2. Game three. They're I'll bet you the entire city of Dallas doesn't even know their hockey team's they in the playoffs. They don't even care. They're like, hey. Dak Prescott. <coughs> he's a good quarterback. That's all they're thinking about right now. Right? They're, oh, they're thinking about Jerry Jones' car accident. That's what they're worried about. Old people be driving too much, dude. Old people shouldn't even be driving. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. You know, the, and, uh, let's remember the Stars barely made the playoffs. They were duking it out with the Golden Knights to get in, and here they are. They're, they're whooping Calgary's ass, beating them back-to-back games. And they beat them at home in one of the games, too. Edmonton versus L.A. The Kings took game one, four to three. The Oilers came back, took game two, six to zero. Do you remember our segment? So earlier in the NHL season, I talked about how the Oilers received uh, Evander Kane. And I said, and this is before they were in the playoff. Mm -hmm. They were not in the playoff picture yet. And then they finally snuck into the playoffs. And here we are. Evander Kane is unleashing his potential. The guy is finally putting up points. The whole city will pretend to like him until he fucks up again. Until he, he he'll until he starts gambling against them. Starts betting or, against them. No, but he, hits another woman or something. <laughs> or gets really drunk and, then and gets fucking, a DUI or something. Then they'll just fucking throw him under the bus. So he actually scored two they'll goals. Call him a thug in game two. Which, uh, the Oilers goalie, he had a shutout, which is awesome. And then in game three, Evander Kane had a, no, had a hat trick, actually. And Connor McDavid had two assists in game two and game three. He's just silently contributing. Uh, Mike Smith, the goaltender, he killed it game three. He had 44 saves. He's killing it in this series. LA's offense was just lacking. They had four power plays. They only scored on one of them. And uh, they led the Oilers in shots. They just couldn't land them. Now the Oilers are up 2-1. to one. I am rooting for the Oilers. I hope they win. And that is all we have for the NHL playoffs. Mark, uh, got any thoughts? Like any, anything that stood out to you that you want to mention? Uh, I see a lot of high-scoring game to low-scoring. Like, you know, 6-2, yeah. 5-1. Yeah. Seems like whoever... Back and forth, too. Like, yeah. One team will get blown out seven to zero, and then they'll blow. They'll fucking put up six points the next game. Also, I'm seeing a lot of one timers. Watching, I watched just about every highlight of every game except for the Blues and the yeah, Flames series. You gotta get series. rid of that puck fast, man. Dude, be quicker teams than are running one timers like fucking Novocaine. So dude. Well, I mean, a one timer is not really a play you run. It's just. A- I know, but yeah, like they'll they'll pass it and someone just slaps it in, like that's they don't. It, they're just setting it up. I guess that it's just part of the hockey. That's just how you do it. But I'm seeing it a lot. I'm not seeing a. I'm just not seeing like anyone like do any uh, deeks very often. You're just like well, I mean, a lot of people are just striking quick as yeah, possible. A lot me. of speed. Yeah. Yeah, that's all we got for the NHL. On Sunday, right before the Miami GP. Just so, in case you've forgotten, it is still Sunday. I, I acknowledge that because we <laughs> are going to watch the F1 race in Miami. But I did want to cover the W Series, which is the women's F1 racing. It's like the... I just want to mention real quick. You, they it's, race a lot like, it's a lot like the men's, but just slower and The cars are more ne- crashes. Aren't nearly as um, expensive. Yeah, you can't and, put that. You can't put all that money in front of them. <laughs> Just full well knowing that. <laughs> I just so I thought that was kind of interesting. So um, she's gonna be putting her mascara on when in on turn seven, and she's gonna crash. So there's two races that we didn't 
race two was happening while we were recording, um, but race one happened yesterday. And some <laughs> of the, Hold on. It, the, the, in the women's racing, you can't, you shouldn't use the term pole sitter in women's racing. It's not appropriate. Oh, it's not appropriate, sir. Oh my god! <laughs> Watch your profanity. Oh my god! You may as well call one of them a spinner. <laughs> okay, let me She's explain. A, let me explain. Ch- okay, Jamie so Chadwick's a real pole sitter. Results you know I mean? of uh, race one. Jimmy Chadwick, who's the defending uh, W Series champion from last year, she took race one. She won. She actually was not the pole sitter, right off the gate. Uh, Nuria, is that Nuria? I don't know if that's her name. Nadia? I thought it was Nuria. Nuria, Nuria Marti. She was the pole sitter, which is really difficult. That means she was first in qualifying. That takes a lot of, like, strategy and strategizing and effort. And she, like, stalled out on the start. I don't know what happened. She just sat there. And she fell basically back to the very back of the grid. Jamie Chadwick pulled out in front, led the race most of the way. Emma Kamalainen, she was behind her just about the whole way. Then on, like, the last couple laps, she made a pretty sick move, overtook her for the lead. And then on the last lap, Emma Kamalainen goes wide on a turn, and Jamie Chadwick capitalizes, taking it away from her. And then, like, the next couple turns later, Emma Kamalainen uh, made contact and just crashed out of the race or spun out. I don't know if she was crashed out, but she spun out, losing position. And the results were Jamie Chadwick first, Marta Garcia second, and Jessica Hawkins third. Jessica Hawkins is affiliated with Aston Martin F1. Uh, Also, Jessica Hawkins, she's dating another driver. She's dating this girl, Abby Eaton. And I remember I saw... Abby be eating something, that's for sure. Oh, my God. But y'all don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, that's a fun name I, so for I actually a lesbian saw to have. Abby, Abby right? Eaton, wink, wink. Um, there was a point where they were right. Abby Eaton was right behind her. She races for Scuderia. Abby uh, Eaton from the back. Oh my god, I just we're saw like, that. So they're they're a couple, and they're also racing, and they were behind. Like they were right. They're not on the same team, so they're they're competitors. I just feel like that's an interesting dynamic. To race against your significant other, you know, like you could, I mean, you could kind of, you could really hurt them if you fuck up. I think it's hot. Do you think they get horny and think like, oh my gosh, she's gonna overtake me? Oh, she's gonna overtake me. Uh, Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's disgusting, Grundy. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we were. We shouldn't say that, but... Oh, we should. We should. In fact, we should keep saying it and make more jokes. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting that there's a couple racing in uh, the W Series. Uh, you don't really see that. Now, if it was in the Men's Series, that's disgusting and it's gross <laughs> and I hate it. But since it's two girls, all right, I can get down with that. All that's, right. That concludes oh, like our that. W Series. We're going to watch the F1 Grand Prix we a little got- bit. We're going to do our final segment of the show. <laughs> well, we do have an MLB one if you want to. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's that, Seeing as how away. we covered the first part of it. Yeah. Do you remember Dambolino throwing out Madison Bumgarner? Oh, of course. How can I forget? For his weird, weird eye stare and finger. I'm going to say grope. I'm going to say he raped his hand. I'll go as far as to say as Dambolino sexually. That's some form of sexual assault. That's intimidation. at the very Sexual intimidation, I'll call it. 
Umpire Dan Bellino issues apology after ejecting Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher Madison Bumgarner, taking, quote, full accountability for decision. The veteran umpire has issued an apology, blah, 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 after ejecting Madison Bumgarner in the first inning of Wednesday's game against the Miami Marlins. I would like to address my actions on May 4th involving Madison Bumgarner, the statement said. When I began my MLB career almost 15 years ago, I received some good advice. I was told to umpire every game as if my children were sitting in the front row. (laughs) I don't care. That one scared me a little bit. (laughs) I fell short of those expectations this week. Well, I can't go back and change what happened. I take full accountability. I will learn from the incident, and I sincerely apologize. Bellino was disciplined for the incident, for the incident, according to a source familiar with the situation. Though he's working the series between the Houston Astros and the Detroit Tigers this weekend, Bumgarner will face no further oh, discipline. Great. You guys have seen the video. Bumgarner said after the game on Wednesday, "I don't know if I could say I don't know if I could say I did anything that would make the situation better, except for saying fuck." Oh, yeah, I, I mean you can't say anything to make the situation better. Uh, Bellino claimed Bumgarner was tossed for using profanity directed at him. Yeah. He, Which was yeah. directly instigated by you. Yeah, because you just... Well, because, um... I'm pretty sure Bumgarner just used profanity. <laughs> Watch your profanity. He was just kind of like, what the fuck's up? Like, what? Like, what? And then, like, I think he just kind of reacted to him finger groping his hand. And then he, the dog's just like, you can't say that! And just threw him out. Fuck me, buddy? What? He said, fuck you, apparently. That's why I got Yo, tossed. I can touch your hand whenever the fuck I want, okay? You don't say fuck you to me. I touch your hand. You don't, you don't say fuck you. And it's like, so did I have sticky stuff on my hand or what? Why the fuck were you... You weren't even looking at it. Why were you looking... It just... Also, I don't give a shit about apologies. I think it's so dumb. And they're like, I'd like to apologize. I'd also like to, you know... Did we check his Twitter? Did he tweet an apology? Because otherwise, it doesn't really matter unless you tweet an apology. You have to you have to do the tweet. You have to apologize. It's all just PR bullshit. It's rare for an umpire to issue an apology. That guy just went viral, and he realizes he looks like a psychopath, so he has to make it look a little bit better by apologizing for Bumgarner, even though he didn't really fucking do anything. He just said, the fuck's your problem? And then he threw him out. Like... Bellino really seems like a Baltimore police officer. He does. He got caught doing something fucking weird. And now he's just a quote-unquote apologizing. Bitch, if you didn't get caught doing that, you'd probably be feeling every pitcher's hand in the league. No, I don't think so. I I just think he has something towards Baumgartner. I don't know. I think it's weird. (laughs) Yeah, it was when he was showing up the home plate umpire by challenging his ball and strike calls. Badoy. Whatever. I still don't think it's... I think it's weird to just stare at a player. It's Yeah, we all do. That I think was, it's just, like, fucking weird. That's, that's kind of wh- how wh- what's been going down in the league, you know? Yeah. And we're just like, yo, that's weird. You really know it's weird. It's... It also, it, it... What are you, crazy? It impacts the MLB, too. Like, I remember even John Boy was just like, uh, what's up with that, MLB? Yeah. What? That's, uh, that's kind of weird. It's creepy. Shout out, John Boy. Shout out John Boy, bro. That's our, that's our guy. Best breakdowns in the game. Absolutely. 
that's all we have for the MLB. Other than um, Tigers losing, they lost like four in a row to the Astros, three to two. Can't produce a single fucking run. Well, two. They can't produce any more than can't two runs. Can't more than two runs. Horrible run production. Oh, my God, dude. That's Javier so... Baez is not going to want to stick around long. No. I, knew, I mean, I know, I know he's not destined to be here any more than three years. No, he'll take a paycheck. That's about it. On to our last segment, our bad sports moment. Presented to you by Cat Stash. Cat Stash bad sports moment. <laughs> this is the Mike Milbury shoe incident. Shout out to you, Trevor. Of You'll probably love this one. Trevor's probably. <laughs> I hate Mike Milbury personally. He's, he's probably. Grinning. He's very. He was. He always seems very anti Red Wing when he did his. Oh yeah. Commentary. Mm. Okay. Secret. Secor. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I've seen this a bunch of times. Where they just pile into the stands. And look at all the skate damage they're doing. Ranger fan and all the Bruins are going over. Gilbert is in there. Peter McNabb. Have you ever tried walking on concrete on ice skates? McNabb's going up to grab somebody. About seven or eight rows up. Well, this is too bad that after the game is over, it gets pulls the shoe off like this, and uh, you got to worry about a spectator. Well, the Bruins are on a This was before people could sue you for like anything. The Bruins were you know, borderline a mafia. If, dude. if, if they they were a gang on ice, they were them and. Uh, well, pretty much every hockey team back then was. That was like the heyday of hockey. Not even a gang on ice. Their fans are like gangs, too. They'll fight each other. You ever see that video? There's a video of Bruins fans fighting each other at a playoff game when they lost. His fucking yeah, loss. Boston sports fans are kind of shitty. Boston. And Yankees. And, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. The few classless fans that you see on TV ruin it for the whole bunch of you. In our eyes, no. you all suck. <laughs> In our eyes, every some... single Yankees fan sucks. And we don't care. Diane's a Yankees fan. She's well, got she sucks. Fan. Well, she's not, not as a person. Not a real fan, but she reps the Yankees now because she's yeah, well, one contract I... in New York. Oh, my God. Fucking traitor. Yeah. I mean, besides the fact they're a great team and Legacy. the Tigers have beaten the shit out of them in the playoffs whenever they get the chance. Granted, they're one of the best teams in baseball right now. <laughs> They're still, their fans are still classless. They really are. Each and every one of you. On that note, yeah, fuck the Yankees fans. Not even fuck the Yankees, just fuck the Yankees fans. Yeah, no, I said what I said. Fuck the Yankees fans. Boston fans are cooler than you guys. And they suck too, to be honest. Yeah, Boston's pretty bad. Anyways, we're not much better though. That yeah, is at all least we you have. guys care about your teams. That's all we have for you. We hope you have a fantastic week. We will cover the F1 Miami GP I mean, next We'll see him before episode. the week's over. Yeah, I know. We'll see you Thursday. Well, that's when we'll publish the episode. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you had a fantastic time. We hope you enjoyed it. Please stay tuned. Write into us if you want to say hi. Yeah, we'll see you next time. I'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs>